on this episode of Skeptico. A deep, deep dive into consciousness. Once you experience it, you can't go back. You suddenly, you know that reality is unbelievably bizarre. And the dimensionality of consciousness is going to move us into advancing who we are as humans. But we await the paradigm shift, which is critical in terms of our understanding the science of the subjective, integrating it with the science of the physical in order to better understand consciousness, reality, and maybe a little bit more about what life and reality is, is all about. That's today's guest, Dr. Bob Davis, talking about his new movie, The Consciousness Connection. Hold on tight. A lot of level three inside baseball to follow. Welcome to Skeptico, where we explore controversial science and spirituality with leading researchers, thinkers, and their critics. I'm your host, Alex Akaris, and today we welcome Dr. Bob Davis back to Skeptico. You know, I just went and re-listened to episode 419 when Bob was on. He was talking about his book, Unseen Forces. And I was like, oh my gosh, how have I dropped the ball? How have I not had this guy on since? Bob is great. You'll hear that again here, but go back and listen to that other interview. I thought it was just a phenomenal interview that he gave. Uh, he's incredibly smart. He is a real top-notch scientist, like highly regarded in his field, PhD Ohio State, multiple NIH grants, dozens and dozens of papers and presentations at top universities, Harvard, Cambridge, all that stuff. I mean, he is the real deal as a scientist in his field. And I guess the reason that I emphasize that so much is because you're not going to believe the conversation we're about to have. This is a guy who should be super mainstream, keep it down the middle of the road, do what I'm told kind of thing. And he's not doing that at all. He's talking about his contact experience that he had that led to his first book, The UFO Phenomenon. An experience, I should say, I should mention this. I mentioned this in the previous episode. You know, there's not a lot of people, some, a lot of people say, I saw a UFO. There's not a lot of people that say, I had this vivid, very close encounter with the UFO with my wife there. We both saw it for five to seven minutes. And then add to that, he's going to talk about near-death experience because he had a near-death experience. Believe it or not, it led to his second book, Life After Death. And then he kind of tied all that together into a book, the last book, the one that I said we talked about on 417, Unseen Forces. And you might even say that this book is tied to a Kundalini experience he had. And he does a beautiful job and a really unique, subtly unique job of re-understanding these extended consciousness experiences or recategorizing them, I should say, as peak experiences. And we won't go into that because that would just be kind of a rerun of the last interview. But what Bob has done there is given us a different way of really thinking about a lot of these different experiences and why are they peak experiences? Why are they so transformational? So go back, listen to that, read that book. There's a lot, lot to be gained there, but there's just so much to talk about today 
and he has a new film, and we want to help him bring that film into reality. It is, of course, about consciousness. Bob, it's fantastic having you back here. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, I can't, I can't follow up on that. Thank you so much, Alex. I, 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 as I mentioned earlier, I, I've listened to you for numerous years, and and, and you're, you're at the top of my list. So uh, it's a, it's an honor to be with you, and and let's rock and roll. We'll have, we'll have a lot of fun with this. Great, thank you. I think you know probably the natural place to start is a movie. So you're now uh, working on a movie. Tell us about it. Tell us how it came to be. Uh, who's working on it with you? I'll pull up here so people can see, you know, some of the folks that you have associated with it. Many have been on Skeptico. Many are just super top-notch people. Jeff Long, Evan Alexander, uh, Dean Braden, Tom Campbell. The list goes on and on and on. Tell us about the film. After I wrote my book, Unseen Forces, The Integration of Science, Reality, and You, I felt a strong urge to share what I thought more strongly. And the only way you can do it this, this year is to do it in a video. And the first person I sent it to was located close to where I live, Dave Beatty of the Nimitz Encounters fame. He, he did that very popular Tic Tac uh, documentary that treated almost six million hits already. But he he read my book, he, we resonated, and now a year after that, we have established wonderful relations with many people who we've talked to, like Dean Radin, um, uh, num numerous other scientists uh, like Tom Campbell um, and and uh, Jill McGonigal, the remote viewer. Uh, Eben Alexander, the famous uh, neurosurgeon who gave up his practice to to uh, spread the word uh, after his his near death experience. Uh, the list goes on and on, but the point is, we're trying to establish as best as we possibly can, portray in an entertaining, understandable fashion with science and combining the objective with the subjective, and showing individuals who experience so-called peak experience, something that Maslow talked about you know, a century ago, these, these epiphanous episodes that are transcendent and change us in dramatic ways, alter our belief systems, as you have often talked about. Um, we want to portray that in an in a objective as well as subjective, integrate both because we lack that in our paradigm. We don't regard the subjective element, the experiencer of near-death experiences, out-of-body, UAP interactions, the list goes on and on, but they trigger a peak experience in people who have it. And they're, they're very sane individuals. Um, and we can talk a great deal about that. But how do you capture all of that? And we talk about multiple different disciplines that are poorly understood. We talk about consciousness. The Consciousness Connection at website is, by the way, consciousnessfilm.info. And if you resonate with what I'm talking about, what we'll be talking about, please, you know, I hate to act like the uh, typical producer. I was a scientist, obviously, my whole life. And now my right brain takes over after a few extraordinary experiences, as you know. And I go in a different direction now that I'm in retirement. You know what? I want to, if you can have you sketch out those experiences. And I'm tempted to kind of shift right past them. Yeah. But I know that 
I know that that's something that people are going to be able to connect with on a very personal level in terms of you having these experiences. It's interesting, you know, ask me what book I, books I used to read as, as a young kid. And, and my answer will be you know, the 1963 Almanac. And what's the next popular book, 1964 World Almanac? You know what I mean? We're talking to a left-brained dude. Open-minded. I always believed in UFOs. You know, grew up in the 60s. How can you not with all that's going on with the moonshot and 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 media entertainment uh, and sci-fi, of course. So I uh, always had an open mind about that. Uh, and then the paranormal. But still, I was a hardcore left-brained scientific method, uh, material, not a materialist per se, in terms of research. I was very objective, of course. But there was a right side there. Then my wife and I in Sedona, Arizona, if you haven't been there, go. Gorgeous, lovely, karma. You know, Alex, you've been there. Uh, we were in, we were on um, help me the, the popular ranch there, uh, Bradshaw Ranch, that is known as a hot spot, so to speak. Uh, suddenly at night, two but one orange orb appeared. It was about a half mile away, two hundred feet high, quite visible. Uh, suddenly appeared, got my attention for some reason. I don't know why. I don't normally look up, but nevertheless. Staring at it, orange, couldn't look solid, gaseous, you know, fluctuating. As I was watching it, however, another one either either emerged from within it or behind it. That was hard to distinguish. But now we have two of the same exact, completely circular, not spheroid or you know, but motionless, soundless uh, objects sitting side by side. And I'm stunned. Um, no, no sense of communication. They have several minutes to wink out. Goodbye. Left the impression, <laughs> you know, morning coffees tasted quite different the next, next day, but I had to put it, I had to get it out of me. Like many people do with fierce determination, who have a type of peak experience. That wasn't a, a interaction kind of abduction thing as people uh, report to have, but enough, nevertheless, just to, to put it in writing. And I, and I was always a writer, more, of course, scientific in nature. So I did the UFO phenomenon, should I believe, which I wouldn't modify greatly if I was writing it today. Things have, the times have changed. I did that in 2014. Move on. Let's not move oh, on okay. to, I, I just, I just want to emphasize a point sure. because you know, there's, there's like so many points like you and I could have really long discussions on all this stuff, but of course it's changed because everything is changing and it's a moving target. And we are in the middle of that change. We've gone from before disclosure to after disclosure to coin the term that Richard Dolan coined everything has changed. So of course, things have changed for you. But the other thing that that you kind of put your finger on that I think is so interesting, and the connection you make in the book, Unseen Forces, your third book, right now, we just talked about your first book, was this idea that the peak experience in and of itself is tricky and hard to hold on to and hard to identify in so many ways. And you almost gave a throwaway line that the coffee tasted different the next morning. That might be part of the quote unquote peak experience. You know, I interviewed Kevin Day, who is the guy who turned me on to Dave Beatty's movie on the Nimitz and Kevin Day is in that movie because Kevin was the guy who was on board. The ship was directing all the all the pilots that went and saw the tic tacs right 
And Kevin's story, and I know you've heard this, but eventually he's so curious as to what what's going on. He goes up and he looks through the big glass on the ship and he sights, sees the UFOs and it changes for him. He has a peak experience, even though he doesn't realize he has a peak experience. He comes back, he has depression and he has all this other stuff. So what you're putting your finger on with this peak experience thing is so tricky. And that's what I think you do such a masterful job of throughout this work, throughout this thread that you're creating is giving us permission to think about these experiences differently and ask different questions. What do you think about that as it relates to that cup of coffee in Sedona? <laughs> you know, exactly. It's a, it's an ego transcending moment. You, you're not the center of the universe for some reason. I, it's ineffable, but it alters your, your, your viewpoints and belief systems in dramatic ways on more than just your next day's morning coffee. Indeed, we know the statistics and people are, are have spiritual emergencies because of this, you know, these kind of transformational episodes uh, that can be quite unpleasant initially. Uh, and they come in all shapes and sizes that you talk about with many people on your shows. We talk the same language indeed with others, but the core feature, it seems, is that self-transcendence, it gets to the aspect of consciousness, of course, that elusive concept like what is time, what is consciousness, which is discipline specific. But, but people have always had these kinds of experiences. Uh, religious texts, uh, folklore have dramatized this in varying ways, metaphorically speaking, but also in art and other, other ways that I know are debatable or controversial. But it's hard not to, it's hard to ignore. There seems to be an aspect of awareness or the subjective experience, the essence of it, that can't be portrayed in a mathematical formula. You know, that's, that's Newtonian physics and quantum processes. Uh, uh, to, to real reality, in other words, is, is only true based on math. And that kind of physical material observation, of course, we, we don't integrate the subjective, the peak experience that we're talking about. And millions have it. It's beyond, uh, 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 it's a spiritual transformative, whatever you want to call it. We don't have the proper terms, of course. And consciousness is not a proper term either, because you, people don't know how to define it uh, to begin with. Um, it's all interrelated to some extent, but this, you know, the question is, what is that subjective essence? The thing is like, you know, there's many levels of consciousness that, that I'm trying to portray in terms of my book, um, Unseen Forces, the integration of science, reality, and you, the subjective, which lacks tremendously in all these equations. And the subjective is part of the UAP, like you're talking about, Kevin Day. I've talked briefly with him. I know what you mean. I mean, it goes deep, this phenomenon, and it's not new. It's obviously existed forever. How could it be new? Why would it well, be? Why would it be new? When did it start? 1959? You know, right. the crash landing when you know when in Roswell. It's always been here. Question is, what is it? I, I'm writing an article right now. I know we're going all over the place, and I do apologize, but it's all interrelated, and it is confusing. But you can't help but look forward, try to integrate the pieces because I love chess. 
And my left brain now lightened up a little with my right brain. I, I didn't have a Kevin Day thing flying in a, in a, you know, fighter as a fighter pilot and seeing this thing go from, from low space altitude to 80,000 feet down, down to 60 and then 50 feet in 0.7 seconds, estimated G-forces of 5,000 greater, you know. It, it, uh, I, you know, Kevin Knuth, that's the computational physicist, comes up with over 60,000 miles per hour based on all the technical information that he can gather based on that tic-tac. So what is what the heck is that all about? No, you can't rule, rule out, uh, obviously, advanced technology, of course. You can't entirely. And you can go there, too. Uh, you can go to PsychOps for some of this stuff. You can go all over the place. And you can go to why should I listen to anybody, you know, under the that newly de de developed uh, department under the DOD is, that's assigned the task to figure out what the heck UAP is. You know, I mean, history dictates, you know, listen to them, but don't listen to them. Don't interpret everything literally, nor should we do so in the same manner with, with spokespeople associated with the UAP, which, of course, is real. How can they? I mean, it, how, it took how many years for them to say it? You know, what should I do? Applaud? Right. <laughs> I can't look at it seriously. It, we, it's so much misinformation. We know the story. It's a pseudoscience at best. There are attempts to make it a science. Hold on. Yeah. Th yeah. That, one of the things you just said there is something that you, I was going to say something that you play with, but that's not a good term. It's more something that you struggle with. It's more like we're watching Bob's left brain switch over and then right brain switch over. We're watching Bob go through the ego destruction, ego disillusionment, ego dissolving, and then we're seeing Bob reconstruct the ego and say, how do, in the ego, and I don't mean in an egotistical way, I mean no, the ego in the I became a tree hugger, Alex. But there's also just science is ego, right? Science is I can measure, I can make a difference, I can do. And and then so this gets into the real, really deep stuff with regard to consciousness, with regard to UAP, UFO, ET, you know, it gets into the evil, you know, is this demonic? What would even what would that even mean? And then are we saying that the ego dissolution kind of suggests that all that is yet another drama that we don't necessarily have to play and that we somehow transcend that and that comes through again so i feel you bro i feel the complexity i applaud you for not backing off not trying to you know give us simple answers everything is nuanced everything is complicated everything is interconnected and the, but the fundamental question that you ask in unseen forces the third book is the question about reality and what are we looking at where do we stand relative to reality do you want to pick up that thread because i think that's fundamental to this Personally, I think there's different kinds of reality. It, it intertwines, I consider it consciousness. We call it reality, I'm not entirely sure, but but look, everything is conscious. I do believe it's it's related to information exchange. I'm in that camp. Uh, there's, it, there's, that's minor. There's a lot more than just saying that. You bang your head on a table, you're getting information. The table's telling you don't do it again. 
That's the point. Everything is conscious. It's giving you information one way or another. Let's cut to the chase. And they even try to quantify it using a PHI, you know, uh, quantification system. Um, there's different types of consciousness and exists at a subatomic level. We can get into detail about that with the observer effect, the, the wave, the wave uh, particle duality issue and, and how the subjective mental intention, observation, all that uh, disrupts it influences it. The point is, reality, consciousness, is it's physical. It is. It's mathematically derived on paper. Brilliant minds, Baum, Einstein, they describe math, you know, mathematical equations that describe the universe. But where are they coming from? The brilliant minds, but they're not dancers, singers, and, and you know, they're mathematicians, theoretical physicists. So you're going to get a, a, an answer that like time doesn't, it's an illusion. It is. It is. Information exchange exists at the cosmological level. It does. And the question is, does that interact with the body? A, a consciousness component that some people, theoretically speaking, of course, think it may be the case. You know, the torsion energy, you could even go there. The point is, where's the interconnection between cosmic consciousness that exists on paper, time is, is an illusion, and that is a physical reality. But it's we forget about the subjective aspect of reality and consciousness. The way the way Why? you put it, my, in the my book. memories are the past that influences present. Right, the, the, the I'm, I'm way, in a lot of pain. Time goes slow. I'm having a great time. Time goes fast. We don't but, acknowledge the subjective aspect. Bob, the way you put it in the book, and I'm struggling to remember exactly, it was, are we in reality or are we on the other side of reality? You know, And it gets into this kind of creating consciousness. I also think of a, a Dr. Bernardo Castrop, I think does an excellent job and says, we are in consciousness. It's not that we are, you know, so, and I think, I, again, I wish I could recall exactly the phrase that you use, but what I took out of that is Thank this you. idea that maybe our vantage point when we talk about reality is significantly different than what we ordinarily assume that it is. And that has to do um, with this whole dissolution of the ego. That Because that, what I hear is this, not contradiction, but when the ego dissolves, all that other stuff just kind of goes well, away. Well, I get it. Yeah, then this, exactly. Then, then the, the subjective reality or the subjective aspect of consciousness, which is different than the physical, or it can be it can be integrated with the physical. Something is causing or triggering that subjective change in your reality. In other words, my personal belief systems are altered. We hear this all the time from people who have various PE, peak experiences, near death again, out of body, uh, shamanic journeys, even, even psychedelic drugs can, may very well induce this ego dissolution. They all seem to cause that self-transcendence sparked by an ego dissolution, you know, and you go into the literature of ego dissolution, obviously that's, that's the subjective. I hear you. You're exactly right on. Um, um, but it's integrated, obviously, with the physical. And then because we have a brain and it, we have a, a reducing valve, which is the brain. So it takes that information, limited in nature, filtered considerably by each of our sensory modalities, of course. It only needs to see a piece of the physical true reality. In a sense, the body provides us with an aspect of an illusion. 
in a sense, because we're just seeing it's like the web teles telescope, you know, the pictures they show it, it, like they say, it's like holding a piece of rice up, you know, it, it's only a piece. There's so much more to reality. Well, the same here too, in a sense. I got to stop you there because I thought that was such a brilliant point when I ran across it. And again, it's going to be a throwaway moment if we don't talk about it. But the light bulb went off for me when you said what you just said. If the brain is this reduction valve, which we hear and it's way overused, then that is also designed by this overall subjective experience. It isn't just creating the subjective experience. It is in some way connected to that subjective experience in a way that we can't totally pull apart either. And that's the point you were making that you go, oh my gosh, this is every time I want to pin it down, I have to kind of, again, pull myself back out of it, right? Do you want to elaborate? Yeah. On that? Exactly. Uh, uh, to me, the brain impedes our ability to see true, true reality yeah, without question. The next level of that is why is the brain impeding or because impeding is just two sides of the same coin, impeding or opening. Why is it doing it this way? Why is it doing it that way? What dance is it doing with consciousness in order for us to create these kind of experiences? What dance is it doing with an octopus versus a dog versus the rest of that? That's where you sent me with, instead of just thinking this very simplistic, oh, it's a valve, this and that. It's like, no, it is somehow dancing this dance with us that's creating our questioning and our view of it. Do you get what I mean? Because I got it from you. I'm not making this stuff up. The point is we're, we're, we're slaves to it. And there may very well be ways in which the brain can be taught or experience something that... <laughs> integrates with the essence of who we are. We are the brain. We're symbiotic with the brain. We need the brain. Let's love the brain. Let's eat right. Let's keep the body fit, all that sort of stuff. So, to, so but it's evolutionary, it's, which separates all species. You know, as for those who believe in that, uh, you know, life development, as opposed to a religious you know, spin on it, um, our bodies represent the planet. We are designed for a 3D physical reality in, in an inhabitable type of planet. This isn't a this isn't a perfectly habitable planet. I take my word for it, especially when you're walking, you know, in, in northern New York with a, you know, in January. But it's habitable, um, and 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 we simply evolved physically, physiologically, brain too, of course, and adapt appropriately shaped accordingly uh, in many different ways. And here we are, we're still evolving, but it's for this planet, but it seems maybe all in humanoid may be a common uh, type of physical you know, structure as people report anecdotal evidence, of course, I don't wanna you know, get, get into that too much. We can touch upon that even non-human intelligent beings that people report to interact with. But we're a product of the, the primordial soup. And, and the lightning bolt that, that provided the electromagnetic energy that, that sparked supposedly life. And there's still controversy associated with that, of course. So back to the film, the film 
leans on near-death experience science. It must lean on near-death experience science because that is some of the most important and powerful science that we're getting back about this extended consciousness realm and how we should understand it. Jeff Long, Evan Alexander, others, what are your thoughts from big picture down to the details that we're struggling with in terms of how we understand near-death experience inside of the larger umbrella of peak experiences. How are you tackling that in the film? Well, it's funny you mention that because coincidentally, maybe synchronistically, I don't know how to, how to interpret that, but we'll be interviewing Eben Alexander. And as I previously mentioned, uh, but it's worth repeating now, uh, again, in early August. And and I've talked with him before, along with Jeff Long, who's also going to be in our documentary, two leading researchers in the area of NDE. You've mentioned it several times, of course, the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation that Jeff Long runs. And if anybody wants to understand NDEs, uh, go to uh, the archives of, of people providing their qualitative descriptions, the essence of their NDE. Uh, there's thousands of them, over a thousand at least. Uh, that's a study in and of itself. Again, we lack that, that qualitative aspect to NDEs. You understand we don't understand true reality un un unless we understand what sense of reality are they talking about? We don't have the words, the definitions, we, we, the terms. So language is not, has not developed matured enough linguistically, semantically to capture the essence of that subjective S, uh, feeling of that NDE and OBE and other peak, peak experiences um, provide to the person. And it varies with personality, of course, too. But um, the NDE gives us, yes, uh, exceptional evidence um, for that elusive, is there life after death question, which we have always uh, contemplated and for good reason um, and only anecdotal evidence it seems will provide the answer but of course our umbrella or scientific methodology that we employ doesn't get at it. it's not designed to do so newtonian design we can't rely on science yet yet to do so so we need quantum physics we know that we need to integrate it and all that sort of stuff to get at truly what an nde is it's real I've talked with many, you've talked with many, but the point is, what are they saying? And this is the, the umbrella to me. Uh, and so I, I suspect, you know, some others, uh, it, it, it's similar to the holographic properties and that correspond with certain principles of quantum physics. It gets into their perceptual aspects, that is, it gets into theories of non-locality we, we always use, that instantaneous information exchange that in that timeless and placeless dimension. They try to describe that, but language doesn't capture it. But we see this in experimental evidence at the, at the quantum level, subatomic level. But that could certainly describe telepathy as well. You know, uh, experiments have proven that uh, without a doubt. But see, Bob, I feel like you're kind of, again, dancing around this. I mean, so what are we to make of the connection between non-local, non-physical, and the physical down to the level of not just proving it but in terms of are they are they different realities are from this reality is it impossible to understand 
that other reality. Because that's what I think a lot of the wisdom traditions are telling us is, you know, it's a fool's game to try and understand quote, what you're calling reality from this reality. Do you believe that? Or do you believe we have to push and understand it and we can get there? I don't think we, we can. I don't think that's possible to, to experience true reality unless, unless we have a, a, an NDE or an OBE where, and there's evidence, as you know, of vertical perception where information is obtained that's outside their, their sensory systems. There's no way they could know. Evan Alexander is one example of someone who had a vertical perception. Jeff Long published studies like that. But I know what you're saying in a way. It's not the data. I know I could bore you with that. I get it. It's hard to get at that question. It's very deep. I, I admit that. Uh, and you wrestle with that. And, and of course, I don't have any answers. And please, what I say, don't interpret literally. Everybody should be open-minded to their own research, of course. That's the problem. I think that's the number one question we have. What is true reality? And, and, and we struggle because intuitively we know there's another reality, but, but our brain says, no, stick on the 3D stuff. We're slaves to it again, I think. And we can only have true reality, knowing true reality, is if we have a peak experience. And, and you see support with the holographic principles of quantum mechanics, which I could bore you with. You see, their perception correlates with many principles in quantum physics. So there's some support there between science and the subjective, which is real cool. That turns my head. Uh, it stimulates and motivates me, and I'm sure others, like you too, but I'm trying to connect the dots and, and, and like a chess game, okay, so people have these wild experiences, they're out of the body, they're interacting with deceased relatives, non-human entities, they're doing psych DMT, psilocybin, they see machine elves to, 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 you, to the uh, greys uh, and, and beyond, besides deceased relatives, what is that all about? Does it reflect their beliefs? Does it reflect memories in their mind? Are, are they being, or somebody playing a game? You know, who's in control here? That's the point. Is it neurologically induced, psychotic induced, or are they seeing a true reality? And I try to address that in my book. Uh, it's like how you separate psychosis symptoms from what they truly experience. And you have to. You have oh. to, uh, because most of them are very sane people, but there are psychotic individuals, obviously, who may you know mimic some of that behavior, but it's easy to separate. But that's well, the point. You are certainly on the cutting edge of this, and that's why your books are so important, and that's why we certainly want to get behind you and get behind this film, because the way that you're trying to lay it out is super important and it's going to bring so many people along for the the journey and digging into it in a deeper way i want to jump ahead with some things that are kind of more skeptico kind of related there's not a lot of people i can talk to at this level but i can talk to you because you've already laid that groundwork so what I was really driving at and all that is kind of where I'm coming from with the why evil matters question. And it's not, I don't want people to misunderstand that. I'm not interested in what is evil or calling out people or pointing fingers. I'm just saying that I think the question of, is there such a thing that we would call evil? Does that even exist? Is there such a thing that we could call good? Is there a moral imperative? This seems to be coming back from us directly from the near-death experience science 
undeniably clearly at this 90% level, they're saying, yes, there is a moral imperative. Yes, there is a hierarchy to consciousness, but I don't know. That's just 90%. I want to jump past that. You mentioned Dean Radin and he's in the film. I just interviewed him and I was blown away in a really kind of negative way that I'm still trying to get over because I think we're at a very, very interesting point in time. I've never been a big, we're at the special place in time kind of person because history kind of throws that against the rocks and crushes it pretty quickly. But when Dean Radin says, yeah, I'm working on giving people a jab so that they can get more psychic and create a hive mind because the crazy stuff you guys are doing out there needs to be controlled. And the way that I'm going to do it is I'm going to change your DNA and that's going to change that filter that you're calling your brain. And that's going to change consciousness. I'm like, whoa, where have you gone? You have some of the most important fundamental research for establishing, for dissolving this materialistic bullshit. And now you're taking it in this transhumanism, globalist kind of craziness that seems to me contrary to what I'm getting back from a subjective level from the near-death experience science, which is there is a hierarchy, there is a moral imperative, all the fooling around you guys are doing with your lab is in, in with your experiments is for the most part just problematic in all these different ways help me out here help me understand why folks are using this advanced technology that we're at to try and think they're masters of the universe that can control our consciousness with a jab in the arm Somebody got to make a book, you know, um, uh, somebody has to get a grant to, to maintain an academic position. Um, someone has a kind of heart and truly wants to help people and think they can in some way. You know, I th like to think most people who are trying to modify consciousness, you know, using biofeedback, uh, certain healing practices, uh, yoga, it comes in many different forms. And, and then you have a Dean Radin who, who's doing his thing. Oh, cool. Yeah, I have great respect for Dean, and 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 I'll be at we'll be at uh, Ions, the Institute for, for Neurotic Sciences, once the lab is reestablished to film Dean and others who are doing research there. Uh, and they're doing some very interesting research with mediums, in fact, um, like at Winbridge, and you mentioned that many times. Let me underline a point you're making there so that it's not misconstrued and so that you have the space to talk about this without it sounding like I'm, you know, slamming Dean Radin. And that is that Dean in that interview that I gave makes a point that is solid and arguable. The first yeah. big point that he makes is quit talking about if this is happening, it is happening. We are changing the genome. We are changing our DNA. We are jabbing people in the arm and that is done. Forget it. The cow has left the barn. It's like AI is my background. Artificial intelligence. Quit talking about if it is here. We are dealing with it. So Dean is saying, if we're in the middle of that sea change, don't we need to understand 
how we might shape it, how we might direct it, and what might be advantageous for our species in the future. And in that respect, you can't, like I said in the interview, maybe we should be glad. Maybe we should be glad that it's Dean Radin who's who's out there doing it as opposed to some guy in China that's buried in some lab that we don't even know what he's doing. So, but I'm not, I'm not saying I, I've subscribed to that either, but this is a unique point in history as it relates to take a jab, physically change the filter that we're talking about, the valve in your head, and then change your conscious experience. Yeah, well, that well, you're taking a chance. Are you sure you, you could change the filter in your head to change your conscious experience? Come on, I mean, that's, you know, I, 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 for one, don't want to participate in that experiment. I don't know how it's going to pass the committee on, on protection of human subjects. But you, <laughs> you know, you have a lot of conspiracy theorists thinking consciousness is being changed by many kinds of jabs that we're all taking every day, it seems. But and maybe it is in, in some ways. Uh, we strive for truth. There's more truth seekers uh, than others, of course, and and those that are try to to alter consciousness for the better. The you know the, the problem is how can we improve human suffering through through this technique? And and it's hard to figure that one out. Um, and and maybe it's trying to widen that filter naturally. And maybe even with the jab of DMT, I don't know if altering DNA is going too far. I don't know if you know what DNA controls exactly what you want to achieve. You know, you know, Gary Nolan is going to be in our uh, documentary. Many people know the name. He's um, recently been on many shows. He 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 doesn't make a conclusion, but he do, does make the, the suggestion that an area, as you know, uh, in the chordate and putamen of the hippocampus, uh, we see a, a greater en enhancement of white connectivity. Okay, there's more stuff going on. All right, he shows the shows the map. You, you know, you've heard him, but then people know. Oh, what does that mean? Well, he doesn't say anything about what it means, but but it's unique. Many of them had the Havana syndrome and UAP interact, all that sort of stuff. Are they psychics? Right? You know, do we have a physiologic, biological marker for 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 that empathy, ESP, the ESP, all that? So uh, interesting, interesting. But you know, can you modify a gene to create that if that structure is an evolutionary thing going on? that can potentially you know, maybe make a psychic ESP uh, show us kind of human potential growth to improve us at a personal and societal level. We're at that cusp, but people understandably are playing around with things that are just unique to their discipline. This is what they know. Let's back up and make sure that people know Gary Nolan a little bit and the reference you're making because what Gary has shown and is claiming, and is, I think has shown, is that there are people that have had an encounter, a contact experience with ET, and their brains are different. And that is, he's saying that that is a direct result. And he's saying that we've studied it and we have information back from other contact that says that's it. And that it looks experimental. Sometimes that change wasn't so good. It led to like death in some people. So uh, just to put an emphasis, yeah. to put an exclamation point, we are at a very interesting time 
We mentioned Dean Radin, take the jab, change your DNA, change the filter. Maybe we got to do that to stay on pace with ET who's saying, I can come in there and change your brain and now change what's going on too. It's again, this sounds crazy to people, but just go do a little look-see and you, you can't unlook it after that. Well, you know, you know, Alex, uh, this is, this is what I, I struggle with almost daily. This is why I'm doing the documentary. I'll wake people up to the complexity of reality. I don't have any, any answers to what you're asking me. They're, they're the best questions I've ever received. Like switch gears over. You mentioned Gary Schwartz, Arizona, soul phone. I had Mark, Mark Pickstick on. Love those guys, even though I gave Mark kind of a hard time. But here's another dimension to this, which is technology. Will we be able to have an app that will connect us to this extended realm? That's what they're working on essentially, more or less, with the soul phone. What does that do? And again, if we put it in, in this timeline perspective, what does it mean that we are at this point in history, in this long technological advancement that we can have of the last hundred years and say, we are now where we can actually imagine doing something like that. What are you, what in your gut, having had all these experiences and thought about this and published and researched this, what does your gut feel about the intersection of technology with what's going on in the extended consciousness realm? I'll be honest with you. Other than, you know, it goes too far in some respects. We're at the cusp, as I was trying to think, say before, of using technology in, in, in fancy, dramatic ways. And I commend those who do that. You know, one of them will be the inventor. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to measure consciousness. I, I know somebody who has a meter and I gave it to Dean Radin to do just that. That's another issue. A consciousness meter, basically. Um, um, that's, that's another story. So we're on, we're on, that, we're on that cusp. I, I don't think we have the proper, the proper tools uh, to do it. People strive to do it. The cell phone by, by Gary Schwartz, uh, there's some preliminary data that are suggestive at best that something is going on. It's a very complex procedural process. It, as you alluded to, it, it utilizes a, a, a computer, a unique software package. And, and the, the goal here is to figure out if a deceased individual is responding appropriately and following computer-derived demands to go into one location versus another. And some preliminary data says, eh, it says, let's give me some more money and I need to experiment more to figure this out. It's important. We're going to try to figure out this life after death. Give me, a, give me $2 million, you know, right? And I read his article. I have great respect for Gary Schwartz. But he's he's got he's got to put bread on the table. He's got to work at the uh, at the university. But he could be certainly be onto something. I commend him. I commend uh, like you, Dean Radin, for all his, for all his efforts. Leading scientists in parapsychology, um, uh, and they are doing remarkable work. We we certainly have to be careful of what we're doing. We're subject to criticism. Certainly, my work is too subject to criticism and. I talk about this stuff to some people reluctantly because they they can't relate and and, and because their reality, subjective science, is, is different. Uh, so, okay. Uh, and we go to friends who meet our same reality, in a sense, given our personal criteria. And sometimes we have that, uh, we meet that uh, soulmate or, or best friend. But, 
you know, it's a complementarity principle that 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 Bohr wrote about. You know, it's, you know, it's well, well, the, and, and the and human beings have to complement, com, you know, com, complement each other. But the other part of that, and the scary part of that, and I know you've encountered this already. And as you push forward and you push the edge, which you're doing, then you're going to encounter it even more. Is the divide, the gap? You know. Uh, 20, 30 years ago, we used to talk about the gap between people who are computer literate and those who are not. Well, imagine how that gap is widening. And then imagine if we make one of these leaps, how that gap becomes even larger and how we have different classes of citizens, different classes of fellow human beings, I forget the colleagues, you know, that, that we're just like, well, you can't even talk about it with those people. And does that lead to kind of an elitism? And are we, here's the real question, are we already seeing that and we're not totally aware of it? Are we seeing a group of people that have made decisions that feel that they have to be made at a level that the rest of us can't fully understand and they're just going to push the ball forward because they have to. They can't stop and explain the big picture to everybody. In general, without getting into specifics, does that concern you that that there is this, we're, whether we want to or not, we're, we're widening well, the gap? Well, you hit it. You, in other words, you know, I did this my whole life in this field. I'm, I'm hitting a ceiling. Where do I go? I'll the you know I'll go here. What else? What else can I do? I don't. You understand? Like, where, where do I direct my research now? In a sense, uh, now that I have all these experiments behind me, what does it say? Where do I go? What's it telling me? The game, chess game. Then you have a peak experience, as many people do. That's what motivates them to get into research because it does. I had a shared death, not a near death experience. And then the Kundalini. That if I was younger, I'd do more research in there, but I did research for the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Research Foundation. And I published that article in the journal, The Scientific Explo Exploration. We wrote it, Russ Scalpone and I wrote it, but uh, Ray Hernandez helped develop the survey. And many people did, like Brent Rains and Barbara Mango. Uh, and a few others, my dear friend, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who you may know, she published my last book, Unseen Forces, but I'm getting off the topic. You know, we're driven by our past here again, time's an illusion. My past research, my past experiences drives our our destiny, drives our future. So if we look at time as a, as a 3D thing, you know, the past exists and to some extent the future may too. Where do I want to go? At least, we, at least we consider it and we can alter our past making decisions. That's a 3D thing. Obviously, we're stuck with that. Are we seeing 4D, 5D in the near-death out-of-body experience, of course? And, and do we gather more type of consciousness, or I should say interact with some information field or whatever it may be? But are we leaving just way the rest of everybody behind? Are we, are, are we just creating this other way of thinking about a kind of two-class have-and-have-not society in that people who can get to this point of understanding this and understand the implications of... It's widening. Oh, is it widening now like Moore's Law, like out of control so much? Look at you. Look, you know, like I tried to capture this for people at the beginning. You start as a totally legit guy, legit in the sense that pure science, Harvard, giving you the pat on the back, Cambridge pat on the back, published papers, all that, you were part of that machine. 
and now your rocket ship out there. ET, no one touches ET, you do. Near-death experience, no one touches that. A Kundalini peak, you're there and, and I'm tossing you these things and you're just batting them around like no problem. What percentage of people can get to the point where they can join this conversation in a real way? And since we know that number is crazy low, then what are, when we get together, like you said, when a group of us get together and say, okay, we can kind of think about this and talk about it. We're going to make decisions that are going to leave out 99 plus percentage of the population. What are the implications of that from a kind of democracy standpoint, from a world governance standpoint? It's scary to think about it from that, from that way. And, and that's where I think we're at. It's scary. It's heavy. It's scary to think about. I think that gap is gap is widening with the advances in technology, uh, which is geometrically uh, evolving. Where do we see consciousness studies, uh, mindfulness, meditation, all those practices that you're referring to that the, the documentary and other things you know, contribute towards the betterment of, of one's personal um, happiness relax all of that uh, whatever it may do to comfort the individual and we and now we see a little bit of that we only see a few dean ratings you know schwartz's etc scattered about i don't know if i'm in that camp thank you very much i don't know if i am but you know in part experiences motivated me to talk about this very much reluctantly i'll be honest with you alex i wouldn't talk about my kundalini shared death experience uh two year, two three years ago and people just start get coming out of the closet, obviously, stigma. I, you, we all know that. But I, that, I understand all that. And I, I understand spiritual emergency and unique to everybody, varies considerably among people. But I, I, I get it. Like I said, when I had a Kundalini experience, I could be a tree hugger for a period of time. I, I never was. Always like nature, of course. But I did have that interconnection, that, that sense of oneness, that the holographic theory of consciousness talks about, you know, from instincts to, to uh, cognitive function, to OBEs, to NDEs, to reincarnation, to oneness they talk about. People always talk about that state. What are they talking about? One, what, what does oneness mean? It means m one more than zero, you know, or less than two. Yeah, you know, what is, what, but the subjective science to it, right? The gap is widening. We don't nurture it. It doesn't evolve. Obviously, uh, they, little kids should practice mindfulness meditation, among other things, of course, that can help the brain structure, as you wisely mentioned earlier. And it does. It does support uh, a physiologic function, immunological function. I could bore the audience to death on the benefits galore. It may not cure cancer. It may not do X, Y, Z, but it's very beneficial, if I may say, for the third time. You know, ESP is real. I know that. I know the data. It doesn't mean I could read the dollar bill in your pocket. It's statistical. It's subtle. It's real. You see, so a Dean Radin, uh, a Diane Hennessy Powell, who does ESP work with Savant, she's in, she's in our film. Uh, Jeff Long, an oncologist who also does, you know, NDE research, pat him on the back. A few come out of the closet who, who are, and doctors too. And some change, I've talked to many doctors uh, who've changed their business in their 30s, thriving practice. They changed after an, an NDE or an interaction with a, with a non-intelligent, uh, non-human intelligence coming from a spaceship, whatever the story is, we all know. 
I hear it all the time. What am I supposed to do with that, Alex? I, that's what that's you see. That's what I always ask myself. Somebody tells me I'm more sane than me. A gray walked into my bedroom. Um, uh, Michael J. Carter, a friend of mine. You you uh, you know Michael. Uh, great Bob. I said, Mike, prove to me and all this other reality that people talking about. Bob, a gray touched me. I may have talked about this on my last show. I apologize if it did. Great. No, you didn't. You know, it was that Mike, great touch me. Reverend Michael C. Carter, he's not psychotic. He's a beautiful dude. I wish I was as beautiful as as he was, you know, in in many ways. Uh, I like to think I'm evolving. I like to think my experiences helped. I think they did. I'll be truthful. I'm far from perfect, you know, and don't, again, don't interpret what I say literally. Um, But I love talking with you. Again, as you mentioned earlier, who do do you talk to about this? Uh, Where is the evolution of this direction? It's limited. But that's well, why I'm let, doing let, let me, you go to Monroe and Ions. How many exist? There are a few. I looked at all these consciousness organizations worldwide to support the film. There's one in Portugal. There's one over here. There's one over here. You got to look and find why? 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 Why is why, why is that the case? Why is that oh, the case? Because this is something I've been hammering on for ten years. And even when I talk to people I, I love and respect, like Bruce Grayson. They're reluctant to go there. And that's like, if you don't think that's fucking conspiratorial, wake the fuck up. I mean, we spent, we spent, you know, it's just, it's self-evident in the fact that you look at where we've put resources, right? We've put, and not a ton of resources, but you're going to go talk to Joe McMonagle and you're going to talk to him about remote viewing. That was you know, now at this point, that's 40 years ago, they were not asking the question about is consciousness an illusion? They were, they were, <laughs> no, <laughs> it was how do I operationalize this? How do exactly. I weaponize, unquote, weaponize it? Yeah, exactly. to be real. Exactly. And well, that question is still being asked today. And the re- it keeps popping up over and over and over again, everywhere we look that the, the real insiders of the, the, government secret agencies of course they're doing that so when we contrast that with what you had to endure in your academic life and they still do you know i mean i, I say this all the time uh, what's his name you all or whatever 30 million books you know the darling of uh, the 60 minutes he's on the lead scientist obama you know zuckerberg bill gates telling you consciousness is an illusion i know i'm a scientist you're a meaningless robot and biologic robot meaningless universe which implies that consciousness is an illusion there's no two ways about it so when you say that bob aren't what come on i mean that that is like so paper thin again it's this gap it's where they're saying look give that to the normal to the normies out there just let that be the message and then let's get on with really trying to figure out what et is up to let's figure out what the demons and angels are up to let's go figure that out because that's the important work and just let the rest of these people think it's all just you know what this yes there's two uaps there's the unidentified aerial phenomena, unidentified aerial phenomena, and then you have your unacknowledged access programs. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we're, we're, right. We're the we're, we're the nukes uh, and all that. You know, from from an office in the Pentagon. I, I, of course, I get it. Um, I, I've talked with John Alexander um, a few times um, about that. Who, as people know, is with the CIA, non-lethal weapons. Interesting individual. 
Um, then goes shamanic, kind of yeah, like, like right, you in right. a way. You know, I mean, yeah. there's something there, but you know, uh, they they have done psychops is real. I, I've talked to people who've been there. Yeah, you know, I don't want to really get into it, but it's it's real. It's and and, it, and it's UAP related too. Um, and they, they infiltrate. Uh, they, they, <laughs> believe me, they infiltrate. They make friends. And how how do they get information the best way? Really. To, to 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 listen to you, see what people are doing, uh, tap whatever they do, um, join join research foundations. You know what I'm saying, um, and uh, set people up, and that's their job. And they're not going to hurt people. They're just gathering information. That's all they do. That's it. But again, discipline specific. That's what they did all their life. Now retired. What am I going to do? Hey. <laughs> so I'm going to I want to figure out what consciousness is from a public view. May I learn something? Like the UAP, same same thing. You know, experiences. I know people, and I know people who who know people. You know, everybody says that, and I hate to be in that position. You know, it's it, this is why I wrestle so much. Not that I know no people, but it, it, the stories I hear from credible sources. Um, they'll send people to some ex major experiences. They know major experiences and, and they'll try to establish, you know, close relations with some uh, to gather information, to maybe even experience what they're experiencing, to learn of what is consciousness, psychedelic drugs too, the whole bit. Um, and there is something to learn in a way, in a way I applaud them. I, I hope they don't misuse or abuse people here. You know what I'm saying? Tap phones or fo and probably they do, you know, I hear clicks every now and then, uh, who the hell take knows? Maybe I'm a little paranoid in my old age, <laughs> but they do. Well, what you're they saying is important is really important and is really next level. And that's that. How would we feel if they weren't doing that? In a way, that's really the implications of what you're saying is we'd be like, hey, get on this. You know, we're not totally comfortable that they're doing it in secret and they're not revealing it. And they seem to have all these conflicting motives that play out in different ways. But hell, yes, we want them to, you know, somebody has to be looking. We know these unacknowledged access programs have, will obtain information with that new research office. Uh, they will share what they want to share. And, and I'm not going to, you know, I applaud them that they went this far. Where would, what was that the past 70 years? Let's not get into that, please. You know, what is disclosure? This, this isn't disclosure at a, at a little spoon, you know, teaspoon level, maybe. But, but heck, they are going to. They're going. They're going to not tell what the, fully what they know, and so that there's breaking news on CNN that there's life after death. That that ET is here. They're interacting with human beings. We have the evidence. You know, I I've looked at the evidence from thousands of people. I've talked to hundreds of people. Uh, the evidence is there. In my mind, they are interacting with non-human entities more often than not. Not associated with the UAP. But there's a physical component to it, maybe 20% of the time. And, and people go through that. We, we know the details the, the, uh, on the table, the sexual stuff, a, a whole bit. Uh, let's not go into those details. Well, without going into the details, how are you processing the, uh, I hate the word, but everyone will immediately know what I'm talking about, the demonic 
hypothesis kind of thing. I, I, I hate the term because it's overlaid with this Christian cultish kind of Abrahamic religion that, that just doesn't, doesn't make sense from a historical standpoint. And yet at the same time, we have the sense that there is some reality, malevolence in the extended realm. We don't know how to process that, how to sort that. But when you're being raped by an ET, and then as you mentioned, and that was one of the fallings out I had with the free organization was, was like, look, if you can't wrap your arms around the, all the, the whole data set, then you're just doing some form or another of misinformation, disinformation, whether you want to or not. So if that's part of the data set, we have to acknowledge it. Well, yeah, it's a, a terrible experience for many, but usually the first few times, how can it not be? But those who had it more than 10 times, Russ, Russ and I looked at it all the day to try to dissect that. The, the long-term experiences by number of interactions with non-human intelligences, out of 1,000, 1,100 people, approximately 80% wanted their experiences to continue. You know, so you know, what does that mean? So, but well, very but early on, more negative, just like there's 10, 10 20% hellish NDEs as well. Here's the problem I have with that, and I'd love for you to comment on it. Again, this is like deep inside baseball, who cares? <laughs> the, 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 I so applaud you guys for doing that work. Absolutely fundamental, important. And that is the free work, the survey work on contact experience, which kind of, for people who don't know, who kind of mirrors like what Jeff Long did with near-death experience, start collecting this with carefully designed scientific studies. And I always say this, if you think surveys aren't scientific, ask, your, ask yourself the question, how do we measure depression in people? We go out and we survey them and we say, do you feel depressed? Exactly we'll go right. do this. Now, how do you feel? And we ask it 40 different ways. We have all a grief. You know, we could go into all these different ways that, of course, surveys are incredibly powerful scientifically. So why wouldn't we use them for near-death experience? Of course we would. Why wouldn't we use them in the case of contact experience? Of course we would. You are part of that project. Applaud you. Here's the difference. There is another baseline with near-death experience, and that is Peter Fennick, Penny Sartori, Sam Parnia, start go, uh, Pim Van Lamo, go into the cardiac arrest ward, and they say, okay, people are having all these near-death experiences all over the way, drowning, jumping, jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, all this other thing. Forget all that. I want to focus on this narrow, physiologically controlled experience of having a heart attack. I seem to know certain things about what's going to happen, brain going to stop, heart's going to stop, brain's going to stop, blood flow, I can measure all the rest of stuff. Now, that becomes somewhat of a baseline. So when that data matches up with Jeff Long's data, I start getting really interested. The problem potentially, and I'm not, I don't want to overblow this. The problem potentially with the free thing is now we no longer have that baseline. So we have to start asking questions. Who's responding to this survey? You know, not, not in like crazy people are responding to it, but just like if I got raped by an alien, do I fill out a survey online saying I got raped by an alien? And if it skews it even a little bit, does that start to skew the numbers? So there's all these 
Yeah. Again, uh, applaud you for getting the data. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I respect that question, Alex. I, I've, uh, uh, but there are there are certainly advantages, as you mentioned. Of course, how, how do you measure love? You know, you can't. This is again, we lack that subjective science, and and that's the necessity and importance of, of where we need to go, scientifically speaking. You skew the results. Um, Look, I, I've done experimental uh, experiments my whole life. I'm, I'm, I've taught research methodology, all that. I know there's limitations to every study in so many dramatic ways. It's, it's remarkable. Um, the fact, however, there's of course limitations to our survey. Uh, we did, however, test for validity, external and internal, and did a lot of st internal statistical analysis. Russ, you see, Scalpone, who worked with me directly on the article, is an expert in statistics and research design. Uh, uh, he teaches it. So he, I, I needed him. Um, and I, I, I used him to figure it out. And we really tested that. And that came out all good. We looked for repeaters. We looked for, we had some emotional questions. Of course, of course, we, the point is this. We had 3,200 people, over 3,200 people responded. Even if there was, even if there was 20% that say that I was raped by aliens and they have, they have a psychosis of some type that's causing them to say that, that's their reality. Even if you include the psychotics and it can't be 20%, that's way higher than the normal incidence for, for that. But of course you're gonna have individuals who, who are inappropriate, uh, who are lying for whatever reason. And there's ways to tell, however, in a survey, especially with Russ Galpone, he knows how, to, not perfectly, nothing's perfect, but he knows how to moderate that to some extent. Um, 3,200 people, you see the numbers, it says something significant, even if you include psychotics, that's my point. And when 80, 85% are saying the same general thing, you can't ignore that. We're talking about thousands of individuals, uh, you see? So uh, I understand your point very well. You have to interpret the data very carefully and statistics can be very misleading. I know that. And, and, and I don't mind you at all for, and I, I appreciate the question, Alex, because I often don't have the opportunity to discuss this. Nobody even reads the article. I think it's so important. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm not at all. I think it's important for the field. Let's make sure that we don't gloss over that because we kind of skipped ahead. Back up, what is the result of that? So you go out, you did a beautiful job there of explaining better than I did. How? A, a, a scientist who's familiar with this kind of work could compile a survey, could feel confident in the results. What's the big picture message from the results in terms of contact experience? 80% of them say it's like having an OBE being floated up into a matrix. Non-physical. Positive, though. Matrix. Positive. And it's, uh, but it's positive, uh, right? They, they, uh, there are positive aspects. You know, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to interpret because they're using language again and responding to questions that are, you know, again qualitative in nature. It's not one on one is two, but we're trying our best to make sense out of the, that information. Uh, generally, yes, positive. Generally, yes. How could it not, however? Uh, impact you when you have that kind of experience. Let's face it; it's it's non three D is what they describe into a, into a matrix, and they interact with beings, etc. Not all, uh, and then we get at the positivity factor in a very unique way. 
in ways that are quite complex. And, and again, the vast majority overall say the whole shebang was positive. Those that had the physical, I saw them in, come in my room. They took me by the hand. I, I, I you know, dematerialized somehow. I felt weird when it happened and I float up and I do X, Y, Z. And then they return me with my pajamas backwards. You know, this, you know, the story. Again, small percent physical, small percent out of that 3,200. But again, when I say small percent, that's still a lot of people, obviously. They, they regard that much less positive than those that have the negative experience. And that makes sense. They see reptilians. They you know, more commonly see the small grays, of course. We, we look at that too, the types of beings. And you, you, you read the article, mainly small and, and uh, energy beings are very high energy beings. Interesting. Um, the, whole, the, whole, the whole spectrum. Uh, how can it not be f- intensely f- fearful? So y- you get a lot of that. Uh, you get qualitative responses that are hard to understand uh, you, you know, you know hyperdimensional, uh, unconditional love. It, it carries over to qualitative reports from NDEs and OBEs. Again, losing some aspect of brain function. You're not impeded by the physical body. You're going beyond that. Now they're going. You're going on a UAP little trip with a non-human intelligence. Whereas my neighbor has the same or similar thing with the near decks death experience. Uh, ex, and and Mr. Jones over here. You know what I mean? The OBE, the psychedelic psychedelics um look even for a film um we we were invited to an ayahuasca retreat in peru by a kind of tanner he's a well-known individual very bright uh well very experienced with ayahuasca and you know i am tempted but so tempted and and his comment to me is i don't want to do it you know I've i've done i messed around in the 60s with the grateful dead in central park if you know what i'm saying and uh, but not not now. Uh, but he says once once you come here, you, people can't help not to. <laughs> can't help not to. And, you know, he's and he's probably right. Amazon jungle. You know, who the heck knows? The other thing I've heard, and I'm sure you've heard this too. But if you go, you're part of the process, kind of with your shared death experience. You know, people go and they don't drink the drink, and they still have the experience because. You know. yeah, the resonance, yeah, yeah, yes. like a telesymmetric effect that they see in in, in EEG labs, you know. The way so, you can, yeah, you know. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, also I interviewed uh, related to this, uh, Shirley Black, who has oh. done PK uh, research in labs. She's done. She's been a subject of because she can make the the wheel spin and do all that in all these labs, including UVA, including uh, Rhine and uh, documented, carefully controlled and all the rest of this. But what she reports to your point is, Ben, everyone got so excited that they went out to dinner, the Mexican restaurant, well, let's pull, bring the wheel along. And now everyone can do it once the the vibe is right and the energy yeah, is yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like global consciousness project. Yeah, exactly. You know, here's know, the big question. Here's the big, you know, you're gonna here's, change a random number generator, right? But you can do it big, individually too. Yes, yes. Here's the big question that like burns in my head and and i don't know the answer to it and i've kind of been pulled back and forth but like so you go and you study et like you just said and they go to the matrix and it starts lining up with the nde and then one of the things you shared in the last interview we did which is excellent please go back and listen to that please go read unseen forces and please help bob out 
with this documentary. We've got to make sure that it happens. But having said that, you're talking about the semantic comparison, again, carefully done, controlled study, and these things start matching up. That is, your experience with a DMT, the words you say, ineffable, dissolution of ego, all this stuff, and others, they're boom, 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 they're matching up. And a good researcher can go and say that. And the near-death experience is matching up too. My big question is, what can we start to say about the nature of the order of the structure of consciousness? Is there God? That's where we're headed to make it kind of a crude, basic question. Consistently, the near-death experience, people come back and says, yes, there is this hierarchy. I felt it. I experienced it. And most importantly, what Bob Davis documents in Peak Experiences, again, this is kind of tangential, but it's completely not tangential. It's fundamental to this, is Bob points out that these experiences are transformational in a way that we're comfortable measuring from a social science standpoint. People come back and they're changed. They live different lives. And we don't know how to make that happen normally. We don't know how to make that happen with drugs, with therapy, with anything else. But they come back and they're transformed. Now that is, so we have to factor that into the peak experience. Are they transformed because, because God changed them? Because there's a hierarchy of consciousness, and at that hierarchy of consciousness level, they can go, boom, you should, here's the right path to be on, I'm going to send you on that right path. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah wow. Um, you know, I'm going to be mentally tired after this interview, you understand? <laughs> I love it. I, this is very cool. That's why I look forward to talking to you. Like that question, you know, I, I never got anything like that. It's beautiful. Yeah, people who have these experiences do report interacting with supreme beings. Um, you know, oftentimes it's based on one's experience. But uh, there's also people who are trying to research in the brain the God spot. You know, you, you repeatedly say the word God, 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 uh, among other things related to religiosity. And you see a little piece over here light up a lot, you know, the fMRI. So people are getting into that. Is, is that. is that component, the physical component of is there a God spot to begin with that we don't know. But people report, yeah, I've interacted with the deity of some type. Is that trans? Boy, maybe both do. I would say if there is a higher power, not your time yet, go back. Or unconditional love. When I saw that person, um, it was it was you know, the one. Um, I know it realer than real. We hear these things all the time. Uh, it, science can't do anything with it but not designed to, we can't look to science. We have to look to ourselves and, and, and share it with others and try to educate people. But some people just, if maybe for physiologic reasons, epigenetic inheritance, you know, we inherit maybe a spirituality, that search for truth. Um, and, and we do, I believe, carry a lot of the past. They ask the same questions as we do, you know, in different ways with same suit, you know, same different tech, you know, different questions, different toys, same darn thing, same phenomenon. And, you know, it's in the Bible, folklore, manifested in different ways. 
and you could turn my book into a folklore book written in 600, whatever, 627. You know, the Bible is filled with more paranormal than, than you could find anywhere. And quantum physics is the science of the paranormal, if you want to, you know, according to many scientists. So we talk about quantum physics. It's not routinely adopted, accepted. Well, some principles are, of course. Um, but again, they are mathematically derived, and, and that doesn't mean that's physical reality, you see. That's physical reality. Let me emphasize that point. Again, there is subjective reality, and we're slaves to that with the brain. We're slaves to our sensory systems and everything else that makes us tick. So that, there's two realities in my mind. There's a subatomic reality. There's an ESP, all of that stuff, interpersonal information exchange. That's reality. You can get it at the level of consciousness, where when you're meditating and you, or you have an NDE and you see God and you're transformed, how can you not be? Um, uh, or meditation with the body, you're slaves to the body. So let's let's see what I can do while I'm, I'm in this uh, body compartment, whatever you want to call it, and expand my consciousness using maybe a biofeedback machine and my mind mirror hemisync. I'll go to Monroe. I'm, I know a lot of people that went to Monroe. Why? <laughs> That's the question. Oh, you achieve expanded awareness. I can't, I, I looked at all of these places, expanded awareness, relaxation, moderate health. Um, I don't denounce it. I support it wholeheartedly. It's beautiful, beautiful. Um, uh, the question is few and far between in terms of people who, who adopt those practices, read about it. Uh, but what you're doing, don't you see, I'm trying to do the same darn thing. You, you do a beautiful job behind the microphone. You know, how long do you do it? For 15 years, you educate. You, know, you have a lot of followers. I don't know if people are aware of that. You do. And I've listened to you, and I'll say it again, for many years. And you have many educated guests. And you challenge in a way that, that's very unique. I can't explain it other than it makes me think, as I said, very deeply into myself. And that's very healthy for me. It's almost like as if I'm going to a psychologist, I'll be honest with you. But you're trying to get at the subjective, the essence. You see, that's what you're doing. And I applaud you for that. Most of the time I go on shows. So, Bob, what was your what was your shared death experience like? You know, Bob, are you doing a film? Tell us about it. And, and you know what I mean? One, one sentence. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But you make, you go down deep. Very cool. So, you're, you're very, very kind to say that, Bob. So tell you what, let's return to the film, The Consciousness Connection. At the end of the day, the film is out. PBS would be great. I don't know about that audience, but PBS would be great. <laughs> no, I, I just mean that I yeah, don't know. No, I agree. I agree. You, know, you got to tweak it. <laughs> what What is what is the shift? What do you want people to come out? What's the shift that you want to happen? What are people ready for is another way of putting it. What are people ready for that this film can bring? And I'm going to go one step further. I go on with these questions too far sometimes, but I want to point out to people what I was saying at the beginning of how unique it is to talk to someone who can process this information at this level. I mean, just take what he was just saying about ET contact experience. I mean, that is so far out there for most people. And for Bob, it's just another fill in a slot of a hundred slots that he's yeah. filling in. Yeah. So this, what are people ready for 
with the consciousness connection, the gap that you might be able to fill? No, wake up. Wake up to the complexity of reality. Um, that millions of people are having experiences that are unexplained, but are very important in terms of our understanding of who and what we are. Not that we have the answers, but I think this 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 can make the cork come out of the bottle, like many experiences have. Uh, that transformational process, indeed. But there's science behind it, uh, as you show the mystery of consciousness. We'll talk about it. Uh, in varying ways, but it, the ultimate thing is what can we do with it to improve uh, people at the personal and societal level? And that's the issue that you keep driving at, uh, which makes perfect sense. But in order to do that, we have to try to understand better the re research that people are doing now, the results that they are coming up with, uh, what people are reporting on a subjective level after their NDE or OBE, et cetera and try to integrate makes sense as best we can with uniform principles that are adopted by, by science today. It's not easy to do. And how do you capture that in a documentary, a one-hour documentary? And we have the pieces. We have, please, you know, people can go to the website. We have the pieces. The, the people who want to be interviewed are part of this, and they can fund the film, of course. And I hate to say that. I'm not begging by any means. But if you have, if you're, if you have six months and you, ha you don't know what to do with a few, a few dollars and, and you like the message, you know, hey, 20 bucks would be nice. You know, it's a nice gesture. Whatever, whatever, even $1. The point is, it's more the commitment and support. Uh, and we have too few uh, to do that. I don't think people are ready in mass numbers for this. Uh, it may be it, we have um, a hard wire differently. Some people can't accept it, right? And we know that. They'll never believe in UAPs unless they walk onto the ship. Uh, or the same thing with other phenomena people are experiencing. That is transformational indeed. That is ego dis disillusion it evokes that kind of process where again, they're not the center of the universe anymore. Uh, they revolve more around the world, more caring and empathetic. We, we know the outcomes. And when we say a transpersonal experience to be a little bit more specific, I say in a nutshell that they, they become a little bit more humane and they're on a spiritual quest. The cork is out of the bottle. They want answers with fierce determination. And I think there's millions of them out there and I'm one of them, don't you see? But I have the science background that I'm trying to do a little bit with that, write an article, give a little lecture, and then there's others out there. But don't you see, I ask the same question that you're asking me, Alex. Why, why me? Well, I say that all the time. I, 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 it, it is an internal struggle. And then, and, then, and then I say to myself, I go back. I had a shared death experience. I had a Kundalini experience. I, you know, my friend, my friend in the lab who I worked with, with for years, we had a very, very strong relationship. You know, uh, uh, you know, in the right diff different place up in time, we'd be married. If you know what I'm saying, <laughs> uh, uh, the perfect. She told me in my in my lucid dream that she died. I felt I felt the suffocating, and I knew. Again, how do you define that? I knew she died. That you know what I'm going to say. That morning, I, I found out she died. Uh, then the kundalini, you know, my body's doing one thing, my mind is doing another, a sense of duality. I can't explain it. There is the sense of knowingness. 
you see, not oneness. I had a little of that interconnectedness. People get at it with the holographic universe model, the other theories, uh, other descriptions by peak experiences through their interactions with the, why am I talking about it? I know non-human entities, I get it, man. I get it you, because there's so many of them, don't you see? And, and they're very sane individuals. And I I got a taste of it, don't you so, see? So, Bob, you More know, we- me enough to do something about. So I, now I got the documentary. We, we mentioned Dave Beatty from Dreamtime Entertainment, and he's an Emmy Award winner. This is going to be this is going to be very a hit. And Dreamtime Entertainment, Dave Beatty, they do documentaries on PBS, all the shows, travel, people. You know, they're they're first class. I want to play the trailer in just a minute, but I want to put an exclamation point on what you just said because I asked it to you last time, and anyone who's been around this field. It, it's gnawing at the back of your head, whether you realize it or not. What are the odds that Bob Davis would be, Dr. Bob Davis would do all these incredible things from an academic standpoint, then would have a rather profound and unique UAP, UFO experience, then would have a shared death experience, then would have a Kundalini experience. We're talking about statistics a minute ago. You go put any kind of statistic you want to find on each one of those four events, multiply them together and send me an email. Tell me what you get in terms of a one out of whatever chance. Here, let's play this uh, clip from the upcoming movie, The Consciousness Connection. Here's the trailer. Once you experience it, you can't go back. You suddenly, you know that reality is unbelievably bizarre and the dimensionality of consciousness is going to move us into advancing who we are as humans but we await the paradigm shift which is critical in terms of our understanding the science of the subjective integrating it with the science of the physical in order to better understand consciousness reality and maybe a little bit more about what life and reality is, is all about Our guest again has been Dr. Bob Davis. It's been fantastic having him on. I certainly hope you check out his books. In addition to the film, uh, you'll find them all on the website. We'll have links to them. Bob, it's been great having you on. What what can I say? Come back soon. We're definitely going to have to do a, an annual right, thing, right. like we said. Anytime. I, I, you're the best out there. And, and talking with you, it's, it's wonderful. So please uh, keep me in mind. And when, when the documentary is done, it will be done. I'm not sure what year or decade. <laughs> but, you know, that's why we need some support from people. I hate to keep emphasizing that to make it real. And that's true with all films and books and everything else. But anyway. Um, thank you so much for all you do um, and, and to enlighten people and help help in the process of, of seeking truth. And, and that's the bottom line. You, you do really, it's, it's critical. You know, th that's the paradigm shift right there. Why are you doing what you're doing? You see, that's beautiful. Uh, and I, I question it myself and, and I share that with you. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Dr. Bob Davis for joining me today on Skeptico. One question, I could tee up about 50 questions from this one, but the one that intrigues me is, what about the gap? What about the gap we are creating? Does that concern you? Let me know your thoughts. I, I know there's probably a pretty small audience for 
this kind of stuff at this level, but I don't care. To me, it seems like the most interesting, important stuff to talk about. So if you are tuned in to what we're talking about, please jump in the conversation because realize there's not that many of us who are really working on it at this level and we need to kind of wave hi to each other and chat about what we know and what we're trying to figure out. So join me, come over to the Skeptical Forum or track me down otherwise. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, take care. Bye for now. Now?